Hello, this is Eric Schultz for Jersey Arts, the podcast. Pianist Simona Dinnerstein is in her mid-30s, and her career has taken off. Her first commercial recording, the Goldberg Variations of J.S. Bach, has become a classical music hit. Dinnerstein joins the New Jersey Symphony Orchestra on November 28th, 29th, and 30th as soloist in Beethoven's Second Piano Concerto. I had a chance to chat with her recently after a remarkable recital she gave at SOPAC, the new South Orange Performing Arts Center, and I started off by asking her how that Goldberg Variation CD came about. I was offered an opportunity by Astral, which is a, an organization in Philadelphia that helps young pianists um, to give a debut recital in Philadelphia. This was back in, I think, uh, 2000. They offered this opportunity to me, and or 2001. And I was very excited because it was a great opportunity to have my debut. And then shortly after finding out that um, I was going to do this, um, my husband and I found out that I was pregnant. And um, somehow these two things kind of came together for me. And I decided that I wanted to n not just present a sort of normal recital program, but I wanted to learn a major work which would coincide with my pregnancy. And uh, my favorite piece of music for quite a long time had been the Goldberg variations of Bach, and, uh, but I had never really felt ready to learn the piece. And I thought that becoming a mother and um, you know, making my debut, that those things were, were reason to have the confidence to learn this piece of music. And What's special about it? Well, Why is it so daunting? It's a very large work. Um, it's a, a kind of monument of keyboard music. There really is no other um, standard repertoire piece for piano like it. And uh, the other element of it is that it has a very um, legendary recorded history, um, starting with Wanda Landowska's recording of it, and then Glenn Gould's recordings of it, and Rosalind Turek's recordings of it. And, so it's a kind of piece that you don't learn lightly. You have to feel that you have something to say um, in order to, to take up the challenge. <laughs> and, um, but I felt that I had been thinking about the music for a very long time, and I felt it was the right time to learn it. And so I spent the nine months of my pregnancy learning the piece. And then after my son was born, I started to perform it. And I had that recital in Philadelphia, as well as a lot of other recitals. And um, gradually, over the next couple of years of performing it, I felt that uh, my interpretation had solidified into something that I felt was, was worth documenting. And so I decided that I would like to record it. And I didn't have any very specific plans for what I was going to do with the recording, but I, I thought it was the right time to record it. And so I did the research about how you go about making a recording, and um, then I had to raise the money for the recording, which I did through um, a few friends and a foundation. Oh, you mean Sony Records didn't come, come <laughs> to you? No. <laughs> no, I just, I just did, I put it together myself. Uh -huh. and. Um, and then I found a fantastic producer, Adam Abe's House, who's a Grammy award-winning producer, and um, a, an incredible piano, uh, a 1903 Hamburg Steinway from Klavierhaus. 
and uh, we recorded it up at the American Academy of Arts and Letters. Um, and this is now in, I guess, uh, I think it was 2005 that I recorded it. Is that a two-day process or a one-day process? It was a three days. Three days? Of um, and it was very intense. I think the first day I recorded for about nine hours straight. And I was completely um, in the zone for those three days. It was really, it, I'm always going to remember those three days as being one of the high points of my musical life. I mean, it was really um, the combination of having this perfect instrument that I was playing on. I had really never played on a piano like this one, which was so responsive to everything that I was feeling and wanted to express. And this environment of recording, um, I, I feel very comfortable in the studio. I think that that's a really um, ideal environment for me. I started to send out just a few of the variations to um, a few people uh, in the industry just to kind of get their feedback and see what they thought I should do with this recording. And, um, and everybody was really excited about it and they, they wanted to hear the rest of it and they wanted to hear me play live, which was really surprising for me. And people that had not really been interested in talking to me so much before wanted to meet with me. And um, so I decided that I should do a um, recital in New York where all these people could come and, and hear me. And um, by a fluke, uh, a, a man in Israel who I didn't know, um, who's quite well off, called me and he'd heard about me and heard a little bit on the internet of a live performance I'd given of the Goldberg Variations. and. He said he wanted to help me, and how could he help me? And um, I said, well, actually, I, I really need to play the recital in New York. And so he sponsored a recital at Weill Hall, at Carnegie Hall. And, um, and it was quite an occasion, because all of um, these different people from managements and um, journalists and record companies came to this concert. and. Um, and uh, it went really well, and um, I wound up being taken on by a, a very good management agency and um, getting some really nice reviews, and everything kind of snowballed from there. And a year later, um, Telarc decided that they would like to release that recording commercially. Um, and uh, so that's kind of the history of what happened with the Goldberg Variations. Uh -huh. And what happened with the, uh, the Telarc recording? Well, the Telarc recording, which is the one I made, I mean, the, they just used that master. Um, that came out in August of 2007, just a little over a year ago. And, um, and it was kind of remarkable what happened with it. Um, the first week of it coming out, it went to number one on Billboard in the classical category, which was really 
I mean, just completely <clears throat> astonishing. Um, and uh, it, it has had a tremendous amount of attention and, um, and there's been just a whole, I mean, basically my life has changed since that recording came out because um, uh, it exposed me to a much bigger audience and it sort of changed the nature of my career as a result um, in many ways. Uh, in terms of the fact that presenters who didn't know about me now know about me and have invited me to their different concert series. And, um, and then also the fact that many of my recitals now are full of people that have heard the recording. And, um, and a lot of the recitals are sold out, which is just amazing. So, and it's all over the place. I mean, not even just in the United States, but even when I've played abroad. Simona Dinnerstein performs Beethoven's Second Piano Concerto with the New Jersey Symphony Orchestra on November 28th, 29th, and 30th. For more information on these concerts and other arts events in New Jersey, visit jerseyarts.com. Jersey Arts, the podcast, is a production of State of the Arts. Watch it on NJN Public Television, Fridays at 8.30 p.m. and Wednesdays at 11.30 p.m. Individual stories can be seen anytime on njn.net. The New Jersey State Council on the Arts is proud to co-produce State of the Arts. The New Jersey State Council on the Arts, encouraging excellence in the arts since 1966. Additional support was provided by the Geraldine R. Dodge Foundation, supporting cultural, educational, and environmental initiatives that make our world more livable.